Okay. What I want to talk about today is being overly critical of yourself. Being overly critical of yourself. Now, at this time of the year, we are told in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, we're told as we approach the, the Passover season with renewing our covenant with, with Jesus Christ, we're told in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so, they, so let him eat that bread and drink of that cup. Now, someone said the unexamined life is not worth living. So it is a good thing to, on a you know, regular basis, to look at your life, to consider your life, where it's going, to examine your life. And sometimes there's some criticism we have about ourselves, and, and, and much of that can be healthy. What I'm, basing, what I'm going to talk about is being overly critical of oneself. And I think this can be dangerous when you view life through the lens of, of self-criticism continuously. I think that can be extremely dangerous. If you drop on down in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I, I looked at that from a different translation, and it said, If we were judging ourselves correctly, we would not be judged. So I get from that that there's a right way to judge yourself and there's a wrong way to judge yourself. So I guess this wrong way that I want to talk about today is being too overly critical of yourself. I want to look at eight signs that you are overly critical of yourself. See if you can relate to some of these. Number one, you constantly second guess yourself. <laughs> constantly you know, being overly critical doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're always judging others. Uh, it means being, you're, you're always judging, overly critical of yourself is what I'm talking about. Did I do that right? I don't think that was the right answer. I must be a failure. Whatever. Just recently I purchased a used vehicle and I was, the, the guy signed the title in the wrong place. And so I go to the DMV and that's not going to work, you know, when they sign it in the wrong place. They said, well, go back up there to Roanoke and get him to write a letter and all this. And the guy that sold me the vehicle, I mean, he was, you could tell it really bothered him that he had signed it in the wrong place. He was an older man, owner of a business, has about 20 guys working for him. And he said, you know, I just hate this. He said, said I've got 20 guys working for me and said, I, I'm, they make mistakes. I'm more, I, that, that doesn't bother me. But when I make mistakes, it just tears me up. And it's, you know, it's overly, you can be overly critical. It was a good example of being overly critical of yourself. Number two, you pick yourself apart. You pick yourself apart. When you're overly critical, you are your own worst enemy. Okay? Number three, you don't enjoy anything. <laughs> you, I mean... There's no way to enjoy life if you take it too seriously, okay? It's just, I mean, if you're always just too serious, too critical, you're not going to enjoy life. I thought that was interesting. You don't enjoy anything. Number four, nothing is never is, is good enough for you. Nothing is good enough for you. Number five, you can't take a compliment. You know, you're, you're probably not going to say thank you when someone gives you a compliment if you think 
critical of yourself always. Number six, you constantly feel irritated. You constantly fear, feel irritated. Number seven, you complain all the time. <laughs> others are probably aware of your negative mindset. Don't think others don't see that if you're always complaining all the time. But it can stem from just being overly critical of yourself. Number eight, you avoid expressing your opinion. And, and I thought, huh, how does that work? And let me try to explain it. You are probably engaged in self-criticism when you force yourself to hold back. In other words, you, you, know, you don't go ahead and say something because you think, if I say it, well, it could be wrong, and then you're going to go back into this self-criticism mode. You, so you avoid expressing your opinion, period. Now, in Romans 8 and verse 1, it tells us this about a child of God who has been through the waters of baptism, who has received the Holy Spirit of God, it says this about you. Romans 8 and verse 1. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay, no condemnation if you're walking not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In other words, if you're walking the wrong way, you may have critical condemnation of yourself. If you're walking after the flesh, you may live a life being criti overly critical of yourself. So just be aware of that. Now, what really got me thinking about this, being self, overly self-critical, is it was almost troubling. I thought, you know, when I was a young teenager, in my stupid days, I did a lot of dumb, and I thought, and I said a lot of stupid things. And I never had self-critical evaluation of myself. Never. I, sh I should have had it. You know, it's like you, you see this guy with his pants down to his knees with his, you know, 18 inches of underwear showing. You know, that guy needs to have some self-critical evaluation of himself, but he doesn't. You know, and, and I, I was not overly critical of myself back then. And I probably should have been. But here I am. 29 years into a relationship with God, and I find myself sometimes being overly critical of myself. And I think, what's going on? And it may have a lot to do with the way we see God, our Father in heaven, how we see him. You may not be seeing him quite the right way if you always have this self-critical view of yourself. Now, things that can cause us to be overly critical of yourself... Number one, defining moments can cause you to be overly critical of yourself. Now, I've shared some of my experiences with you, and I don't want to bore you keep sharing them over and over again about, you know, the, the, volleyball, the, the, the dodgeball game, and a couple guys came up, and we got in a fight, and they said, you know, you really think you're something, don't you? And we got in a fight, and, and so, so that sort of started a trend of thinking, well, you, maybe, you, maybe you are thinking yourself to be something when you shouldn't be. And I told the story of, one time with my father, he, you know, I was a shy boy, and he wanted me to do something. And I kept lollygagging around, wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. And he said, oh, just, just go on back, and I'll do it. And so that, that was sort of like a, a defining moment. So what I'm saying is defining moments can cause you to be, have a lot of self-criticism. You need to identify those in your life. Uh, poor health. 
I think, can cause us to begin to criticize ourselves. You know, you start to think, well, God's given up on me. God's cast me aside. Now, why am I going through this? Uh, in fact, I heard a minister one time say, and I didn't agree with him, he said, God will use you up, and then when he's through with you, sort of, that's it. You know, he uses us up. And I thought it was interesting because this particular minister didn't have any children. And I started thinking of it from that perspective. I thought, well, I've got a daughter. And if I allowed her to do things for me and used her, I wouldn't cast her aside at the end of the, in the, when I was through, you know. I thought, this is not the right kind of thinking there. God will use you, you know. But, but I'm saying poor health can cause you to be somewhat uh, a critical of oneself. Because you start second-guessing. You start questioning God. You know, is God, you know, has he given up on me? Has he cast me aside? And the answer is no, he hasn't. Better days are coming. Good days are coming. You just got to get past this. Now, it may last some time now. It may, it may last a while. But you got to get past it. Third, the aging process can cause you to be overly critical. Why? Because you don't like what you see in a mirror. Uh, <laughs> You, you don't like your body, and for good reasons you don't like your because it's not holding up like it used to, you know. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about, and this is a different translation, but boy, does it nail it down. And someone said that you ought to read Ecclesi- the book of, of Ecclesiastes every birthday. You should read the entire 12 chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to, like, put your all in perspective, you know, it says, you know, your body will grow feeble, your teeth will decay, and your eyesight will fail. You'll be afraid to climb up a hill or walk down a road. Your hair will turn white. You'll feel lifeless and drag along like an old grasshopper. That's, that's not the King James translation, but that's a different translation. But it sort of nails it down, you know. But I'm saying the aging process can cause you to be overly critical of yourself. And then you have what I, what, have the, what I call the opposite critic. That's the only thing I know to call it, the opposite, the opposite critic. In other words, it works like this. Whatever you are, you should be the opposite. So if you're, you're loud, naturally loud, you should be quiet. If you're an introvert, you should be an extrovert. If you're an extrovert, you should be an introvert. Uh, if you're a hermit type of people, you don't like being around people, you, you need to be a people person. And that can work on you and, and criticism and why am I not like... Oh, what I think, you know, I'm quiet. Why am I quiet? I should be loud. I should be speaking. Look, you need to learn to accept yourself for what you are and keep, quit thinking that God wants to change every nuance of your natural way that you are because he doesn't. He loves you just the way you are. And that song could probably apply to this, what I'm using here for right now, that God loves me just the way, that's the reason God called you. Is because of the way you are. And uh, sure, there are things that God wants to change, but the things that God wants to change are the things that basically called sin, what you're struggling with. He wants to change that and get you through that. But the natural inclinations of how you are, God doesn't want to change that. He will use that to his glory. He will use that to his glory. Uh, Fifth one is what I call the good time critics. And, you know, you're having a good time, and all of a sudden you think, this can't last forever. <laughs> Something's wrong. Something's going to go wrong. This is too good to be true here. We're having too much fun. <laughs> it's like when, this one guy told a story about uh, his father used to say, 
you know, we've had enough fun for today. <laughs> the kids are romping around, you know, they're, that's enough. No more. Your limit is up. <laughs> 20 minutes of fun a day. That's it. <laughs> then a the failure critic, uh, you know, the failure critic within, you know, well, you can't be nobody. Uh, who do you think you are? Uh, you let God down again. You know, if we fall short, if we sin, criticism can prop up. Success. I even found that there's a success critic that sort of goes like this. You know, if, if this did work, this, this thing you're doing, you wouldn't be able, be able to handle it. You know, there are a lot of people, let me tell you something, there are a lot of people who fear success in that form. They're scared to death of it. And, and from a, almost like a, a non-psychological you know, not even realizing it, you're working against yourself. And you can't even, you can't achieve what you're after, the success in life, because you fear it. <clears throat> Many people fear success. Number nine is the, the, the guilt-gratitude critic. The guilt-gratitude critic. And it works like this. If you live in America and you're thinking, wow, we're blessed. But look at all those other poor people in, in those countries and they've got stick legs and they're starving. And, and you start feeling guilty and you start criticizing, you know, you're criticizing yourself for nothing you had anything to do with. The fact that you were born in America, you might as well enjoy it and not feel guilty about that. Or if someone you know is going through a hard time. You ever know, like, they're sick or they're a death in the family, and all of a sudden you start feeling guilty because they're going through a hard time. And this, this criticism of, of, you know, it's pretty bad, you know. It's like we can't even enjoy what God has given us, the blessings that God is given, giving us. Number 10, your lying critic. Now, your lying critic is, comes from a book William Backus said that the average person tells himself 200 lies a day. I'm fat, I'm ugly, I can, I'm not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too, you know, that's the opposite critic there. Whatever you are, you should be something else. You know, all blonde girls want to be, uh, no, all, all brunettes want to be blonde. All blondes want to be, you know, all... Um, yeah, yeah. Skinny girls want to have more more weight. You know, fat girls want to be skinny. Whatever. You know, it's just it's just it goes on and on and on. There's and that criticism that we we give ourselves. <clears throat> Number eleven, past mistakes. Critics, the critics of past mistakes, and this one, you know, hey, you sin, you you fall short, and you start criticizing yourself because you, you there's something you did, you know it's wrong. And you did it anyway. Okay, that's a critic. Starts building up within. You start criticizing, criticizing. And then 12, on top of all of this, is what I call the spirit world critics. Every spirit, diabolical spirit, is, is, is a critical spirit against you. And it, I think what they do is they just, there's a rotating process that they go through. They use every one of these, defining moments, poor health, aging process, opposite critic, good time critic, failure critic, success critic, uh, critic, uh, guilt or gratitude critic, your lying critics, your past mistakes critics. They'll just rotate those and keep hitting you with one. Just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, just after the other, just criticizing, criticizing, self-criticizing. You know, uh, of oneself. Now look at Revelation 12 and verse 10. And so this tells us what you're up against as far as the, the spirit world. Revelation 12 and verse 10. 
It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. I don't think there's ever a moment that we're not being criticized by these evil spirits before God. Just continuous critic condemnation that, 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 that Satan, his demons, bring this up. Now, the question is, how does God handle that? Well, he turns to his son, Jesus, you know, he turns to Jesus Christ and says, that, look, that's been taken care of. That's been taken care of. The problem is, <clears throat> we hear the voices of criticism from the satanic spirit world. We hear, we hear those voices. My question is, do you believe in them? Do you place your trust in them? Do you place your faith in those critics? You know, you can do that. You can choose to believe who you want to believe. Or you can believe the father that, that turns to Christ and says, look, that, that's taken care of. Don't bring that before my throne. All of these accusations. Now, self, being self-critical, overly self-critical, can it what can it do? I was thinking, are there any examples in the Bible of people that did this? And I started thinking about uh, Saul, when Saul was anointed king. Let me, let me read this story to you, or you can turn to it if you like. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 22. It's just a, some, it's, it's sort of like when you read between the lines, I read something here that, that you know, may, may be relevant. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 22 it says, therefore they inquired of the Lord further. You know, they're hunting for Saul, okay? Where is Saul? If the man should yet come hither. And, and the Lord answered and said, behold, he has hid himself among the stuff. Now this was Saul hiding. I don't know how old he was, but think about that. I mean, he's a grown man, I believe. But he's hiding. Strange. And they ran and fetched him thence and... When he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulder and upward. I mean, he wasn't hiding because he was ugly. I mean, he was a big, nice-looking man. And Samuel said to all the people, See him whom the Lord had cho has chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. You know, Saul was God's first choice. He wasn't an afterthought. David was God's second choice. But originally, now just think about it. This, the God, Saul was God's first choice. He says, God, look, God says, I've chosen him. What happened to Saul? Now, I know we read the story about, you know, later in life, you know, I've sacrificed to the Lord. I've done as I was told. And, but, you know, maybe Saul had something in his life that he struggled with from a, from a young man of because after all, he was there hiding among the stuff, hid away. Maybe there was this critical self-evaluation of himself that, that basically brought him to his end. I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, you, you've got to make a choice of who you're going to believe. And you can't live with, you know, this being self-critical all of your life. Because I think it can destroy you. Let's conclude by turning to Romans 7 and verse 19. 
And I just want you to think about this as we pass, as we approach the, the uh, renewing our covenant with, with Jesus Christ. Well, the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Notice that. It's, it's no more I doing it, but it's sin that dwells in me that is causing me to do this. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Have you ever, well, have you ever committed sin? Dumb question. But have you ever thought, you know, it's like two people inside of me. It's like it's another. I didn't do that. The David Freeman that I know didn't just do that. You know, it, it's a reality that we, we struggle with. And what I'm saying is, it's okay to be critical of that one side, but don't just wrap yourself up into one package. And, and because God, there's, there's the, you know, the inward man that is being conformed to Jesus Christ, and then there's the carnal, fleshly side that makes mistakes, and you sin, and you fall short. And it's okay to crit criticize that. But don't just wrap yourself in one package and criticize the whole shebang and say, I'm... I'm all bad from head, you know, <laughs> nothing good about me. Don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. The greatest tool for being overly critical of yourself is forgiveness. Knowing that you are forgiven. Use forgiveness as a tool. Rejoice in God's forgiveness. Rejoice in it. That's what it's there for. I want to close with this. The evaluation that counts. You know, there isn't an evaluation that counts to all of us. It's, it's what God thinks of you. That's the evaluation that counts. What does God think of you? Well, he died for you. That's, that's, let's start there. He gave his son to die for you. And we have a high priest at the right hand of God ready to make intercession for us and forgive us on a daily basis if necessary. If we could only enter into the depths of God's love for us, we would find our lives deeply changed. I no longer trust my assessment of myself. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. Don't trust the, your excess assessment of yourself. Your assessment of yourself sooner or later will let you down. And today, today, after your worst failure, you are as fully loved and adored by God as the day of your baptism.